and welcome to another From the Rookerine Away Day podcast. If you've listened to the first one, uh, brilliant. Thank you for everyone who gave the feedback. Uh, we really hope it is something that will add to your away day experience or just add to that, that the daytime you might have if you're not going to the away game, but you just need a bit of Watford first thing on a Saturday morning. And and, and hopefully they're, they're useful to you. Um, great feedback from the last one. Your best 11s, great to hear those. And the game, we've got another game for you. Don't have best 11, uh, but we've got a very special podcast. Um, as I said before, this is a podcast we've sort of made for you if you're walking to a game, if you are driving, if you're in a, a train, if you're flying. Fancy, but yeah, wherever you are, wherever you're going to these away games, this is what these podcasts are for, like a little companion. Uh, and of course, you are probably on your way to Huddersfield Town, uh, the final team uh, for Watford to face uh, in the first half of the championship. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's going to be a, a good game. Uh, second game back after the the international break. No, it has, to be, it has to be bigger than that, surely. The month off, uh, it seems, Watford had. Uh, and we'll see how uh, Slavan and the boys uh, are coming together. If their bits and pieces of their body are actually coming together and functioning. Because, hey, injuries are a thing. Will Ishmael Asar turn up? Uh, will he be there and will he make an impact? We'll see. Uh, but, but to get you there, uh, we've, got a, we've got a game. Uh, we've also got an amazing uh, a chat that Mike and I had with Ollie Wicken. That's the first thing that's going to come up, actually. And and Ollie, you've probably heard the podcast a few times, um, no, a few, many times. He is the uh, creative mind uh, behind Hornet Heaven, um, another one of the great Watford podcasts that you can get hold of. Uh, and and it's always a weird concept. You know, people say, "What's it about?" It's about well, what happens when you die as a Watford fan and you go to Hornet Heaven. It's it's not morbid. It's brilliant. And if you, if you are yet to uh, listen to those please do uh, they are fantastic and there's a, a bunch of episodes coming out uh, one coming out soon ready for christmas I have a clip of that later on as well um, and he uh, also does writing as part of the team who put together the watford treasury again a fantastic fantastic publication that we have as watford fans that no other club no other club uh, in the country has the quality uh, of that uh, I, I, it's not a magazine, it's, it's bigger, it's better than a magazine. Um, and you, you can get hold of them uh, at the watfordtreasury.com uh, or from the Hornet Shop or from Watford Museum. Uh, and they are full of the history of Watford uh, and in particularly the vivid photographs they've got hold of are, are, are beautiful. Uh, but but it's, it's, it's a lot of the old, old history, but mainly it's a lot of modern history. And, and Ollie has written a, a piece about the Smith family. Uh, and of course... The number one man, if you think of the Smith family, you think about, about Tommy. Uh, you know, two stints at Watford, making over 100 appearances on both those stints. He he was a major part of Watford, uh, you know, just, just part of it in the early part of the 20th century. His brother, of course, uh, you may remember Jack, he was part of it. But you might not remember or you might even know uh, much about his dad. And Ollie did a great thing where he interviewed all three of them, um, plus their mum. Uh, about Watford and what it meant to them. Uh, and Mike, Ollie and I uh, caught up um, uh, last week where we had a chat about this. And there's some great clips uh, from Ollie's interviews uh, with Tommy, Jack and the parents. Here it is, part of this week, this latest ninth volume of the Watford Treasury, uh, uh, which you should get hold of, must get hold of, ready for Christmas. Here's our chat with Ollie. Ollie, you, you and, in fact, your brother are, are heavy historians, aren't you, uh, with the football club? And you, you set out to, to find out more about the, the Smith family. 
Now, I'm aware, of course, of his brother. I'm aware of Tommy, as Tommy Smith is, um, likes to hit the ball and score a goal. We all know that. But did you, even before you were researching things into this, yeah, before you researched things, were you surprised at what you actually found out, that someone who we know so well, you found out little or maybe big things about, about him? Yeah, there were little, um, a couple of little things that I'd picked up on. Um, I knew that Tom, Tommy Smith's mum, Hillary, had been a Watford fan when she was a girl. So, in fact, she started watching Watford in 1963 when she was 12 years old. Uh, she says that she went to Watford games with her dad and her older sister, who had a crush on Pat Jennings. I'm not quite <laughs> sure wouldn't. why you'd go to watch Watford because your sister's got a crush on Pat Jennings, but there we are. Maybe she <laughs> wanted to go and check him out with his big hands. Um, and uh, then, uh, a few years later, she began going out with someone called David Smith, who had been playing for Watford's youth and reserve teams. Um, and they got married and had two sons that we know of, Tommy Smith and Jack Smith. Yeah. Um, and the extra angle on it, which I also had been aware of, was that uh, Tommy's son, Max, was playing for the Watford under-15s last season. Um, which meant that the Smiths Association with Watford has been going on for 60 years or more because Hillary's dad was a Watford fan. Um, so I just felt it was going to be a really interesting story, partly because, I don't know, it just there was something about it that appealed to me that um, there's a Watford fan who's had two sons play for Watford and now has a grandson at the club too. And I would have loved that to happen to me as a Watford fan. And I wanted to know what it feels like. I mean, can you imagine how you'd feel if Arlo and Eli played for Watford? Mike? <laughs> Arlo for Watford? Yeah, don't let him hear that because he reckons he's <laughs> still got a decent shot. I mean, obviously, the, the most important thing about this podcast is what it gives <laughs> us the opportunity to do is work out which brothers are the more influential, the Wiccans, Wiccans or the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps the listeners can um, can let us know at the end end of the podcast. But yeah, it's it's that lovely that that family link is is extraordinary, and as Ollie alluded to there, it must be a source of enormous pride. For David and indeed Hillary, who where it all kind of feels like where it all started, doesn't it? As, as Ollie mentioned there, as a, as a, as a Watford supporter, um, it must be an incredible. You can't really. It, it's fairy tale stuff, isn't it? For your for your for your lads to play for for Watford, and um, yeah, it's um, it's just a really really lovely story. And I think when you think of Tommy Smith, and, and, and I hope and Jack, in fact. And I hope I hope Tommy in particular. I don't, they wouldn't think ill of me for for saying this, but they just seemed like good eggs, um, mm. and that isn't necessarily a given when it comes to to footballers. So I always quite I enjoyed. I can vouch for that absolutely entirely. So I went yeah. to I went to Tommy's house. I went to Jack's house. I went to their, their parents' house, and they are such a lovely family. Yeah, they could they could not just be just fantastic. Yeah. So let, let's talk about them then, uh, Ollie, in this article. Um, yes. Particularly the dad. So, 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 so again, how did he, he played for Watford Reserves, was it? Yeah, that's right. Um, so um, he, had, he, he was at school, I think it was uh, in the sort of Hemel area. Um, and he'd been playing for Watford Juniors, as they were called, in about 1968. And then, uh, and this was great because he told the story really nicely, where his school day was interrupted one day. Yeah, no, I was in my history class at school mm. and the headmaster came in and said, Smith, oh, God, oh, I've done that. 
And he said, yes, come here. You've got to play football for what reserves this evening. So close your books, go home and get your kit ready. And I said, OK, fine. And I played um, against Blade Orient at Vicarage Oath. It wasn't a salubrious stadium by any <laughs> means, and it didn't have any grass on it. Um, and I scored after about seven minutes. I was centre forward, and I was quite quick, and I did mm. all right, and, and I scored. And after the game, Ken Furphy was manager, and he said, uh, David, come here, we need to sort out a contract. He signed a contract, £13 a week. <laughs> it, it wasn't terribly attractive no, to me. Yeah. And, and I said, well, I'd actually like to do my A-levels. Mm. And he said, what do you mean you want to be the A-levels? Can I not just keep playing, you know, just as an amateur and non-contract mm. player? And if I do all right, you'll sign me in a couple of years and I'll do my A-levels and get my A-levels. And, you know, it's not a problem. And we can... He said, look, if you want to be a bloody footballer, you're going to be a footballer. If you want to be a bloody schoolboy, fuck off back at school and go there. And I said, OK, thank you very much. And that was the end of the discussion, really. And, and never after that was there a question of me being uh, involved. Oh, yeah, and a half-time in the game when I'd scored against, and I'm feeling pretty good... Bert Slater you know, and, and Duncan Wellborn played it right back. Um, and Barry Endian was playing as well, actually, at the same time, in the same game. That's something, <laughs> yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, and you were 16? 16. And there was a proper punch-up at half-time between Duncan Wellborn and Bert Slater. In the dressing room, because just before half-time, Duncan had put, pushed the ball back to Bert, and it was a short ball, left Bert in the what name, and they equalised. So Bert came in and said, you, 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 you shan't do that. And Duncan went, well, it was your fault. You should have come out of it. You know, and there was a proper fight. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I've come out of school and, <laughs> and men are kind of grappling with each other in the dressing room. And I thought, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. That was interesting. Yeah. So that was my... my salubrious career. Yeah, salubrious football career, yeah. I mean, what a thing to, firstly, what a couple of players to line up against. Again, I, I don't remember them playing it, but for people of that age, Barry Endine, that must have been an amazing time. And, you know, he's a, he's a cult hero for us all, even, even now. Um, but even the idea that, uh, I mean, Bert Slater was slightly before my time. I think my, my first match at Watford was the debut of uh, Mick Walker, who took over from Bert Slater. Uh, but Duncan Wellborn, who was a stalwart mm. and uh, chopper Wellborn, if you call him, I'm, I really wouldn't want to uh, get into an argument with him, and, and nor did Tommy's dad. Um, just the brilliant idea that when you're 16, you go and <laughs> suddenly find grown men grappling in the in the dressing room. I love the end of that that story, Ollie, and it's kind of a bit of a throwaway thing from from David. It's sort of kind of signalled the end of his career because he yeah. wanted to wanted to stay at stay at school. It's, it's funny. I had a, uh, one of my dad's mates played for Derby County and played very very briefly under under Brian Clough. And his his one sort of real interaction with with, with Brian Clough was when his contract was up. Clough uh, invited him into his uh, into his office to discuss his new contract, and he said, "Right, young man, what 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 would you like?" And and Dad tells a story that he. His friend stuttered a little bit, and Brian Clough just went, "F off! You don't come in here <laughs> ill prepared." And that was it. Yeah, and it kind of, and it not quite the same. But what 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 struck me was the sort of 
almost, and I know that there's more to it. He obviously probably gave it a little bit much more thought, a bit, a little bit more thought. But careers coming to a juddering halt because you had to do either or, or make a, a decision mm. without the support of perhaps a parent, and certainly without the support of a an agent. And I wonder, just over the years, certainly back then, how many careers are lost to sort of grumpy managers basically <laughs> catch on the wrong day you don't know then what's going to happen and did you feel ollie speaking to david when you know that we can hear it's great that's a great thing about the podcast you can read the whole article by the way of course on the, on the what for treasury um the latest volume do you feel there was anything when you saw him how he reacted that he missed out or do you think maybe the fact he's got to continue and do other things and maybe live it through his sons. Do you think that that helped him a a bit at all? Or do you think it was just whatever for him? I did get the sense that he felt he'd missed out on a a playing career. I think he's always been focused on on business. That was why he wanted the qualifications and he's uh, he's had a very successful business career. So I don't think that was a problem. such pride in in his son's achievements um and you know he, he it, it was quite emotional actually hearing them uh, hillary and david talking about tom and jack and uh, i mentioned this to tom and he said that was a surprise because he didn't think of his dad as an emotional person but when we were talking about it i really connected with it because you know i've got two sons and i've watched them play football at, at no level at all you know i feel that pride and that excitement about their achievements and it was it was it was amazing to me to to see parents of footballers that i'm very familiar with feeling like this because that's just a dimension that as a fan I've never seen before Um, and I shouldn't be surprised because uh, excitement of pride is how parents feel about their kids achievements from first steps through paintings of dinosaurs to exam exam results and beyond but I've never spoken to footballers parents before so I've never thought about it from the parents point of view I mean you you and I have watched and heard hundreds of thousands of interviews with footballers over the years and it doesn't occur to us that the players mum and dad might be listening in excited and proud desperately hoping that it goes well but those feelings are happening somewhere in the world, perhaps even just off camera. And, and that was the case with Thomas' parents when he did his first interview on Sky Sports. And uh, I, I've got um, David and Henry talking about it. I always remember when um, he scored against Middlesbrough. Yeah, his first premiership goal. His first premiership goal. And uh, we went into the club after the match and Jimmy Gilligan came up and said, you know, we got man of the match and he's, he's on Sky, they're interviewing him. Go and watch, go and watch, he said. This is going to be your best moment. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, yeah. yeah. He was brilliant. Right, he, he, he always, he, 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 he does it on his feet. He kind of, he's never, he'd never done anything like that before. Mm. And of course, he was caught up in the flow, you know, the fervour that was going on. Mm. But he was really quite considered. He was very mm. good. He was very good. Amazing, really. I, you know, I don't know where he gets that from. They also told me about a Youth Cup game against Manchester United, uh, which caused great excitement because Tommy scored. Do you remember that goal against Man U? Yeah, he in scored. the FA Youth Cup. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Tom scored the first goal. First goal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty special, isn't it? And loads of our friends were there, so it was... <laughs> I just remember being in the stand and just thinking... Oh my God! He scored against Man United, you know, and it was yeah, yeah it was good. Now, one thing about the parents is, is, is you give me an idea um, there, Ollie. We could do it's called a new podcast. It's called From the Parent Seats, 
And basically, you speak to all the parents. Of uh, I saw a picture today of uh, Jude Bellingham with his mum and his dad. And of course, he would have his mum and his dad there. He's 19 years old, after all, uh, in, the, uh, in the World Cup. Um, but it must be weird sitting there within the crowd. As you know, they're, they're probably, I assume that they're you know, within and around the people they've always sat with. It only happened that their son then turned into being one of the, the, the players on the pitch. Did, did, did that, was that always smooth for them? Were they, was that a good experience? Not always. I mean, they, they, uh, in that clip we've just heard there, Hillary was talking about taking friends to the game. And, and that's a very important part, I think, when you're a parent of sharing your, your pride with, with friends and, and wider family as well. But yeah, it didn't always work out so well. So um, Hillary has got a story of how, I think it was at a game against Portsmouth, she said, uh, where she heard Tommy getting a bit of stick off the crowd. We always got into the players' lounge, didn't we? And, um, mm. you know, we had seats mm. in the family section, yeah. So mm. you were always kind of in the right place, yeah. You it's quite hard because if they're not having a great game or a great time, it's hard being in a crowd when they're abusing your son. Oh, we might have to tell no, this story. No, you can't tell it. But it was Portsmouth away, wasn't it? Mm. And um, the away end of Portsmouth is was uncovered at that time. And uh, Tom made a... A uh, bit of a lulu and something, didn't he? And this woman, about three rows in front, stood up and said, Tom, you're a bloody disgrace, you bloody... Have, get off the pitch! She stood up and went, Madam, that's my son, and do not talk to him like that! <laughs> and this woman went, oh, sorry, and all the fans went... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, great moment, great moment. And, and she apologised to you, didn't she? Yeah, because it, it was just before he left the club and they knew that he's yeah, going to live. Yeah. But then when... Um, when he went back, mm. and I went to the loo at half time, and this lady was in the loo, and she came up to me and she said, "Oh, I'm just so pleased he's come back," and and she gave me—I don't know how she knew she'd bump into me—but she gave me all these newspaper cuttings about his return that had been in the Watford Observer. Gave them to me, yeah, and she was mm. like, "I'm so sorry." The worst bit is that there's so many untruths. Go mm. around, don't they? Mm. He was leaving because of the money, and, and, and yeah. it, none of it was true. But mm. you know, you sit there and you have to take it as well, even though you know you want to stand up and say mm. that's not true, because people get it in their mind, mm. and and that that bit is horrible about being a parent. Me and my brother have fallen foul of that. We went to watch Watford at Crew, <laughs> and. Uh, it was a it was a pretty dodgy game, and Danny Weber was sort of ploughing a, a fairly uh, lonely furrow up front, a pretty unsuccessful one. And uh, I think Andy and I had been out the night before, and we were a little bit hungover, and it had been a long old journey to get up there. Watford were were struggling, and we gave Danny uh, Danny Weber a bit of clog. Um, and anyway, he popped up and scored the only winner of the game. Uh, and when he popped up to score the winner, his entire family popped up. <laughs> Uh, to celebrate one one row in front of us so they put up with however many minutes of uh, two slightly grumpy uh, parking brothers moaning but what what I do think it, it it speaks to the whole the whole thing really but I love that the pride about oh he scored against Manchester United even you know even when you're in part of it and I know it's early in in Tom's career when he done that but even when you're sort of quite close to football and you've had experience of it the, the, the fact that you still get that glee of you know, a marquee occasion is is wonderful, and 
the, the the story about Portsmouth and my story about about Crew and Danny Weber, it, it it it's one that we can all remember or, or all do well to remember as as football fans. Certainly in the modern era and modern age, when everything is so important, isn't it, about football, and we are so entitled to ha- have this level of performance at every turn from our from our footballers. They're people with parents, aren't they? And- yeah, there's something about the relationship that as fans we feel that we have with the the players that I, I, I came away thinking that my perception of players was so out of place because I'd forgotten that these players have families. So yeah. somehow as fans, we seem to think we're the ones who have a special relationship with players. And we, we forget about the people who actually know and love the players as family. I mean, here I am already thinking that our new signings this week, Ismail Kone and Matthias Martins, belong to Watford and therefore me, not to their yeah. mums and dads. <laughs> yeah. uh, we just don't think about a player's family behind the scenes. And I, I've been blind to this wider perspective for years. I mean, I should have realised it earlier rather than um, finally realising when I do an interview with uh, the footballers' parents. Because once in the early 1990s, I drove to Hull for a midweek game. It was a ridiculous distance on a school night, Tuesday night. Um, And I recognised the man in the row behind me. It was Nigel Callaghan's dad watching Callie play for us when he came back on loan. And I turned to my mate and I said, how sad is that? A dad traipsing up to Hull to watch his son play. And I didn't have kids at the time, so I didn't get it. I had in, in my mind that watching the Horns was about being a dedicated fan, and I guess I couldn't see past that. But luckily my mate made me see sense by pointing out it, that if anyone was sad, it would be the person who'd gone all the way to watch a game on Humberside on a Tuesday night with no blood ties to any of the players. <laughs> We talked earlier on about how David and his negotiations to maybe have a career didn't quite go well. But David and Tom, um, can I call him Tom now? Is he? Do we call him Tom now because he's older, or do we have to keep? Can we call it, still call him Tommy, Mike? Do you reckon? I think probably. I was going to say I haven't had much interaction with with him, so we should probably call him Thomas. Tom- um, keep things a little bit more formal. But then I realised I've blooming played against him. You did. <laughs> did he score against you? No, I don't. No, I don't think. Well, he must have come close. I'm going. I'm going to go with. I pulled off a really, really decent save against him. So uh, that allows me. We're basically. Well, effectively, we're colleagues now. So I'm going to call him. I'm going to go with. I say we can go with Tom. I reckon. Okay. Um. But he, you know, David didn't have the someone to stick up with him when he was negotiating. But David did, and and the two of him and and Tommy tell a, a good, int- an interesting story about negotiating with GT, don't they? Uh, Ollie. Yes, this was lovely. This was um, so Tom was telling me, and I, see, I've used the word Tom there because we're best friends forever now. <laughs> he is a Tom after his playing days. Um, Tom tells a story of how uh, just after we'd got promoted to the Premier League in 1999, um, it was time for a new contract because none of the players had had um, higher wages in their contracts if they got promoted to the Premier League because nobody was expecting us to go up. So Tom was needing a new contract and he didn't have an agent. So his dad went in to no- negotiate with GT. So David and then Tom. Oh, yeah, it was, it was only ever going to be Watford, yeah. I mean, there were two things about it, really. One is it's close, which makes a big difference because they do a lot of training. But you had the Graham Taylor influence that was pretty, pretty special. And you felt that you're working with a guy that you could trust. You did trust Graham. He did have that kind mm. of ability to mm. to bring the best out of out of youngsters. Yeah, yeah. So there was no increase in wages if we went up. Um, so Graham said, 
even though it was a, what was it, four years? Yeah. He said he'd give us a new deal. Um, so my dad went in with some terms of what we thought was right. And uh, so it was just dad and Graham. Mm. And dad said, well, look, this is what we've got down. And we had no real idea what we were asking for. We just kind of assumed this would be about right. And we put it down. And apparently Graham got his pen and crossed everything out. And I went, no, 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 no. And then he went, this is what we're going to do. And he increased every single one. And then gave it back to my dad and said, that's what we're going to offer. So it was really great. Because I was with Nina at the time, and I was at Nina's house. Then he called me and said, so he crossed everything out, Tom. I was like, oh, you're kidding. He went, no. But he said, this is what he's done instead. Oh, it was a good moment. Yeah, he did well. And it shows kind of what Graham was about as well, really, because you kind of, one you trust around with little things that he did that you kind of felt he had your best interests, Mm. which was always good. We kind of take it for granted that anything involving Graham Taylor is going to be a heartwarming story, don't we? We're sort of like, yeah, we get it. He's an amazing guy. He's Mr. Watford. Even us as Watford fans, we know, we kind of know what we're expecting to hear. But even then, I was taken aback and sort of thought, God, he really was such a great guy, wasn't he? And I, I wonder what, what strength, the sort of slight cynic in me started thinking about. I wonder how even handed he was with other people or whether because Tom was local and his brother was coming through and David's relationship with the club whether that was almost sort of not a gift from from Graham Taylor but that sort of level of obvious respect was born out of that whole family link to the club or whether he was Graham Taylor was just as even even handed with with absolutely everyone perhaps a, a little bit of both but it's just wonderful well, to get a real, like nuts and bolts story that just that again serves to sum up the the, the great man so wonderfully. They spoke about Graham Taylor in a different way than they spoke about a couple of other people at the club, which I won't go into at all. But um, yeah, um, GT, yeah, absolutely shining presence at the club. Uh, they spoke glowingly of him, and they they've been very involved with the club. Um, so uh, Tom and Jack's dad coached Jack uh, in the younger year groups um, as part of the academy. Um, so they're very familiar uh, with the club, get on well with Kenny Jacket, all that kind of thing. Um, but it, it wasn't it wasn't something that they were going to get good treatment by the people at the club because a couple of times there were there were occasions that uh, they weren't so pleased. So you said that, that David was a coach of Jack and there's a story that David shared about how that came about. It was very exciting. I mean, they all trained at Woodside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I used to take Tom along training. And Kenny Jacket said to me, David, we, we're looking for coaches that, and you've played and would you consider coaching some of the younger lads? And I said, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to. So I did my, you know, the coaching badges mm. and all that. Um, and I... I coached Jack as he was coming through. Yeah. So from an under 11, I coached Jack. We had a great little team. So it was lovely. And of course, that meant, Ollie, that Tommy's little brother was at the club. Again, how did he? What? How did he come across with that particular part? Was he great that his brother was there, or did he sort of feel a bit like oh, my little brother's around? <laughs> um, well, uh, for those that don't know, Jack is two and a half years younger than Tom. 
Um, so Jack played in Watford's youth teams um, and then he turned professional and made his way through the reserves into the first team, making his debut in April 2003. So he'd watched from the stands as a fan when Tom scored at QPR, um, but he made his way onto the professional playing staff too. Um, and there's absolutely no doubt about it that, that Tom uh, thought it was delightful to have his brother playing with him. So uh, we've got a clip here with Tom talking very fondly about having his brother with him every day. Were you involved much together at the club? Um, not really. We did have a little period where we were slightly overlapping, but it, it wasn't for long, actually. It was maybe yeah, a season or two. But I mean, it, it was a really nice period when, even when he started full time and he was driving, and we could, you know, we'd spend quite a lot of time together then because training schedules were fairly similar, even though mm. he was um, playing in the reserves and I was in the were first Were you living team. in the same house? Uh, we weren't then, no, no. I'd moved out, but we were relatively close by to each other. So I'd, I was in Berkhamsted and he was in the family home in Potland. Mm. So after training, we'd, we'd always get together and there was a little group of us, so we'd go and mm. normally play FIFA or something like that and waste away an afternoon, as my dad would say. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you do when you're young. And um, it was nice, it was a really nice time because we were together quite mm. a lot um, and it was good to see him kind of making his way in the game as well but they did actually get to play against each other didn't they which must have been well a terrible thing for the family breaking it apart mum one end dad another was it was it okay do you think well Hillary says that uh, one of her biggest regrets was that she never saw them uh, on the pitch together for Watford she says you know it was a matter of uh, you know undying pride that uh, she used to watch them both run out to Zed cars as a Watford fan herself. Um, but she would have loved to see them on the pitch together for what the closest they got was on Jack's debut, which was uh, down at Brighton at the Withdean in, a, in an abject 4-0 defeat. And Tom had gone off uh, earlier and then Jack came on for the last 10 minutes or so. And Tom left at the end of that season, so mum and dad never got to see their boys together in yellow. They played together as opponents. Um, so the next season, when Tom returned to Vicarage Road in a Sunderland shirt, he came up against Jack and uh, <clears throat> they both talked about it. So uh, we've got a clip here of first Tom talking about it and then Jack talking about it. Tell me a little bit about playing against your brother, because it was for Sunderland and also for Derby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I absolutely hated it, dreaded it. Yeah, really didn't enjoy it. I don't know, I think him being a younger brother, there's kind of that wanting him to do well, protective kind of... And he was literally, his first proper season was when we played, well, I was at Sunderland, we came to Vicarage Road, and uh, he'd only made probably a handful of starts, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking... I wanted to play well and keep his place and I know how ruthless it can be football so to then play not directly up against him but I was sent forward and he was full okay. back so we were up against each other a fair amount it just felt really strange mm. yeah I didn't enjoy it at all you didn't go in there and put in a heavy challenge early doors no no <laughs> I think he tried to on me though if you ask him he's, I don't think he was that fussed and probably wanted to kick me a bit but yeah, no, for me, I was, it, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I think my mum and dad probably did enjoy it as well. I was looking forward to the game. I had quite a lot of press before the game. Yeah, it was quite, it was a big, quite a big occasion. I always remember, you might, you probably mentioned it as well, there's, uh, in about the first couple of minutes, there was a 
between me and him, the ball journey, neither of us really went in particularly hard. I remember Neil Cox was like, that happens again. I was like, oh, it's like, just, he's not your brother, he's like, he's an opponent, you just got to kick him. I've often wondered about that. I'm so fascinated and glad to have heard that because recently, certainly, I've been watching a lot of NFL clips and there seems to be a lot of siblings um, opposing sides in NFL. And I, that's slightly different because the likelihood of them clashing, so to speak, is, is a little bit less because it, just of the nature of the game. But and I've always, it's always fascinated me. I've got a brother who's a couple of years younger than me. So the, the, the gap between... Um, Tommy and Jackie is, is the same as me and my brother Andy. Um, the the lack of footballing ability is probably uh, is probably a bigger gap. He's a lot better footballer than I am, um, and the Smiths are better than the Parkins, unfortunately. But um, I've always wondered about how we'd react if we came up against each other. Because as we've grown up, we've we've you know that bond, that brotherly bond, has got stronger and stronger and stronger. Tom is so magnanimous and, and well-spoken. And as I said at the, at the top of the show, he just seems so, so thoughtful and friendly and, and kind and, and nice. And that came through with, with what he said. I wonder how true that was because all, all of those things are a given, obviously. But also to get to that level of football, you have to, be, you have, to have that special something, don't you? You have to have a, a, that spark, that desire to be better than your peers and I'm sure that somewhere deep down you would have you would have wanted to uh, wanted to get one up on his uh, on his brother and, and and vice versa but it was it's fascinating to hear him articulate it and I think it, it resonated with me I think that's probably how I would have found it which ultimately it sounded quite difficult and he said he said he was dreading it didn't he and Mm. But again, it's just it's so interesting to hear these sort of idle thoughts that I've I've had over the the years articulated by someone who's who's been there and done it um, in front of my eyes as well. It's um, it's a really interesting one. It's just yeah, ticking a lot of boxes. This one for me. See, I, the reason I think Tommy was worried about it, or you know, about the game, because I reckon being the older brother, every game of football they ever played in their back garden, Tommy won. And he was always the one, you know, there might have been a few occasions where Jack got to, to score a couple of goals and all that sort of stuff. But it was this, almost this thing that brothers and, and siblings always have. You're like, maybe at home when they were growing up, Tommy was invincible and he just didn't want to lose that invincibility when his brother's now fully growing up and they're playing a professional game of football. I just, I just wonder maybe there's that, that sort of, uh, yeah, that weird sibling rivalries you can have. Uh, but Ollie, you know, Tommy... He, you know, as we know, he came back. Uh, he's now fully retired, selling houses. You know, he's, he is still around the club. Uh, and, of course, he got one of the greatest honours that uh, former players can, can have in the Hall of Fame. Yes, that's right. I mean, I, I absolutely have to vouch for all of the adjectives that Mike used about uh, Tom there. Um, because <laughs> I saw a thing on Twitter sort of saying, who is who's the loveliest footballer that you know of? And, and for me, after meeting... Uh, the Smiths family. It's the Smiths family, um, but particularly Tom. I mean, he is so genuine, and I absolutely believe everything he said about playing against his brother. Um, he's he was emotional, um, emotionally intelligent. It was it was just fantastic, and and the way he spoke about being inducted into the what 
Oxford Hall of Fame in 2017 at an end of season awards do. It's just lovely. Um, and the whole family spoke about that evening with a, with a lot of emotion uh, because Tommy was able to invite all his adult family onto his table, his sister and her husband. Um, and it was a, a lovely culmination of a career that had ended at Watford, uh, what, something like seven years earlier. Um, and he was just, just felt wonderful to have that chance to look back on it and be welcomed back at the club again. My sister, her husband, Jack and Sophie's wife came, mum and dad, Nina. So we had a whole table of Smiths. And it was really lovely. And they put together a video of some of the highlights of my football career with a lovely voiceover on it as well. And it was, um, yeah, really, really touching moment. And one that completely unexpected as well, I think that, I didn't, I didn't really know what the, the evening would hold, and, mm. um, and so to to watch the video and for everyone to be there as well, yeah, it was just really it was a lovely, mm. lovely night actually, really good. Because um, football, outfit, particularly when you leave a club and things, you just don't really, you're just gone mm. and overnight, and then you, you just disappear, and often there's no end to your experiences there it's just mm. it's like somebody just turns a light off and it's gone um, so to now having been retired for a while and, and to have a something like that to be invited to is wonderful but also now I'm back doing bits on a match day which which I love um, and really enjoy doing so it's nice all mm. the nice moments that and I enjoy going to the games now and talking to people mm. about old games and yeah and it's great it, 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 it does gives you a little um, you know nice little reminders of, of the career and of course he's not only back at the club doing the lots of bits and bobs in hospitality uh, see him on the pitch every so often don't we uh, but he's he's also back following Watford of course with his son Max that's right so for, for me the great thing about meeting the family was that uh, in 2022 they're still so strongly connected with Watford and in fact in a new way now because Tommy's son Max has been playing with the under 15s. You know it's interesting because Tom is experiencing the same thing now as his own parents experienced. So all the ups and downs of bringing up a boy through the Watford youth system and David and Hilary as grandparents are involved too. They go to watch Max play and it was just lovely to hear during my chats with them that Tommy, Jack, Hilary and David all clearly have a very strong family bond and a deep love and appreciation of each other which was reflected really nicely by what was the final uh, thing that Tom said in our interview. It was It's just such a lovely thing that he says and I think it illustrates beautifully the role of family in football and the role of football in family. We had a low point at Colchester away on a horrible oh, Sunday morning with windy and wet and cold and Colchester were playing partly they're in the 16s and they were enormous and poor old Max didn't get kick and I was getting really worked up standing on the side and yeah it was one of those moments that my dad said you know I think you should just calm down a little bit Tom. <laughs> 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 and I was like oh god what am I I was like yeah thanks dad yeah I needed that I needed that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's been through. So he before. has, yeah. Oh yeah. God, yeah, absolutely. And I will still call him about, you know, advice for Max because, really? the, yeah, he's my yeah, sounding board on things yeah, like that. Lovely. So I would still ring him and say, "This has happened. 
what are your thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah, mm. He's always very considered and good, and I guess I hope I can give as good advice to mm. Max that he's given me throughout my career. Tough points where I kind of go to him and say, "I don't know what to do here," and he's always seemed to come up with the right answer. So, um, yeah, well, hopefully I can pass the same on to him. I think your latter point, Ollie, about the importance of football to family is a, is a really important one. I think we've all been probably wrestling with, with various moral quandaries about about football with the with the World Cup in uh, it being in Qatar, the the sort of the investment in certain teams in the in the Premier League, and, and indeed the way. Watford has been one uh, run, and the people have got questions over over that uh, in in recent memory, haven't they? And we've we've I think everyone's probably struggled a little bit more than ever, perhaps, about football and where it sits in their life and whether it should have the importance attached to it because of that. And I, I know I certainly have. But listening to to that family, that sort of that large family spanning the generations the pride comes through which is kind of you could apply that to to almost anything because any any parent is is proud of their their son or daughter doing anything worthwhile and and vice versa kids are proud of their parents if they turn out to be great to to go to for advice and and stuff like that and the the, the warmth that they that family has for each other is so is a beautiful thing and and I'm glad we've had that glimpse into the into the Smith household, if you like, because it's just a, it's just a lovely example of uh, of family life. But what it also does, it, just little bits of it, just reaffirmed how important football is and how that's okay for us to get such joy from it. Because if if those sort of people who are so intertwined with the game have uh, know the inner workings of it, know the good, the bad, and the ugly of the sport, are still so able to get such delight and joy from it, then we should feel fine about it as well. Then I should feel fine about it as well. It is okay for it to play such an important part in our in, in our lives. It is probably as simple as that. If it brings you joy um, and it brings you pride and, uh, and excitement and satisfaction in any, any shape or form, then that's probably got to be good enough, hasn't it? And I think just hearing all of them speak and the... They're elevated when they talk about Watford and football. You can you can tell that little frisson, that little excitement, that bit of pride. That the memories are still so vivid, like they all they are for all of us, and they sustain us, don't they? And it's sometimes I think, oh, Mike, you spend all this time talking about Watford to your mates on on a podcast. You've written about it. You worry about it. Um, you get overjoyed about it. You get down about it. Are you? It's too much attached to it. And I think probably the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the article that you've written, Ollie, where this and, and lots of other stuff is called The Greatest Hits of the Smiths. Yes, it, it, well, actually, I, I've, I've just noticed that uh, it's now called The Smiths, which is very disappointing because um, I was hoping that, um, you know, We'd be able to work all kinds of Smiths references into this uh, into this interview, but obviously that joke isn't funny anymore. And heaven knows they're miserable now. You'd have, to get, you'd have had to get Pat Morrissey on, wouldn't you? <laughs> 
I mean, the, the only disappointment about the whole interview process was that I found myself wishing that Tommy had played for Wimbledon, Newcastle or Palace back in the day when Andy Thorne would have been his teammate because then I could have written a section called The Boy with the Thorn in His Side. <laughs> Very good. Is this getting too contrived? <laughs> no, it's, it's normal from the rookery end. Um, yeah, it's in volume, is it volume nine? That, that, it that's is volume out and nine. Available. Yeah. What else can we find in there, uh, Ollie? Oh, goodness. Um, lots. Oh, fantastic photos. I mean, Always. the Watford Always. Treasury and photos. I mean, that's what's made all nine volumes so fantastic um, over the last few years that we've been putting them out. But the photography and Colin Payne's colorized some of them, just glorious photos, worth, worth getting just for some of the photos themselves. Um, and then there's other great stuff. There's a, uh, a My Season, one of the season review, personal season review. And I think that one, 69-70, that would be the year that uh, the famous Barry Endine scored against Liverpool in the FA Cup quarter final to get us through to the semis. Um, what else have we got? We've got uh, looking at some of the memorabilia that was in the museum. Um, for the 100 years of Vicarage Road. And then my brother has written a piece about some of the bits that didn't make it in the book that were still uh, really interesting as well. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a, fa a fabulous thing. And uh, it's amazing to me that we've put out nine volumes of it because when we started it, we were thinking, right, okay, uh, Watford history, um, how, much of that, how much of that can there be? <laughs> And uh, there's lots, and we keep finding more, and we keep finding fabulous things, memorabilia that people have got, and, and photos that we've never seen before. Um, and it's just been a, a lovely journey for all of us putting it together. Um, and we think there are going to be more after Volume 9. Perfect. I'm prone to, uh, I'm prone to going on long and meandering uh, stories and anecdotes and phraseology and, and whatnot. I'm not going to do this on this occasion. What I am going to say is make sure you buy it. Just get it. It's brilliant. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Ollie is Hornet Heaven, uh, and it is an amazing thing uh, to, to listen to. A uh, new one coming out uh, this in the coming week, ready for Christmas. Uh, Christmas special. Uh, here's a little clip. It's read by Colin, uh, one of the FTRE gang, of course. He's an actor and does the beautiful reading of Hornet Heaven. Here's a clip uh, from next week's Hornet Heaven Christmas special. <laughs> Bill turns to Derek and starts off the kind of discussion that makes a long journey to an away game fly past, down on earth. Right then, Derek, my boy, here's a question for you. Which single Watford match in history would you choose to go back and change the result of? Crikey, sir. What a question, sir. All kinds of matches come to mind. I wish I could change every defeat we've ever had against that filthy mob from up the road, sir. So do I, my boy, but you're only allowed to choose one. And it's worth considering the historic consequences of the result you change. For example, if we'd beaten the filthy mob from up the road on the last day of the 1963-64 season and put enough goals past them, we'd have been promoted to Division 2 five years before we actually were. Might that be the one result you'd choose to change? No, sir. Because two years ago, sir, if we'd taken our chances against Arsenal on the final day of the season, sir, we wouldn't have been relegated from the Premier League, sir. 
If history can be rewritten, sir, changing the Arsenal result to a win would wipe away all of the pain of the last three years, sir. Hmm. You've made a very good case there, young man. Personally, though, I'm drawn to my first love, the FA Cup. We've lost in the final twice now. Change one of those results to a win, and I would have what I've always longed for, always yearned for. I would be happy for the rest of eternity. In Clover, forever. Crikey, yes, Mr Grover, sir, and winning the FA Cup would give us another shot at Europe, too. You've convinced me, Mr Grover, sir. Which final would we change, 1984 or 2019? If we change the Manchester City result, we'd have the additional bonus of cancelling the humiliation of having lost 6-0 in front of a billion viewers around the world, Mr Grover, sir. Now, we, we're not doing a uh, best 11 in this podcast. In fact, I'm going to give you some homework. Um, you can have a think about this. Next one we're going to do, I've already set there their homework. Jason and Colin are putting together a best 11 of Hornets that have played at the World Cup. That's right. Hornets that have played at the World Cup. They might not be playing for Watford when they were at the World Cup. Some of them were, uh, but they are former future some of them hornets who played at the world cup so you can have a think about that who are the players in fact in the show notes i'll put the list of players that i know played for watford in the world cup and you can start putting a best 11 together because i've set you know me i like to make complicated games if you listen to our draft podcasts that we do in the summer mostly you i've scored them all i've given each player a score depending on several factors those factors will remain secret for now and all you have to do is you have to put 11 together and see if you can outscore Colin and Jason. I'm not giving those factors. The only thing you have to do is make sure that you can only have one player from one nation. Keep That's the only rule I'm telling you so far. Uh, and of course, you can make some adjustments. So that's the next Away Day podcast when Watford travel to Swansea. But we also like to play some games on these Away Day podcasts. We love a game. Lots of people enjoyed the game we played on the last Away Day podcast. Here's another one, uh, which I made up. Uh, Stash stole uh, from uh, a radio show. And uh, when I had Mike and Ollie, we had a game of Match of the Man. It's a very simple game to play, but it might be quite difficult to win. Mike, you're going to leave the room in a minute and I will read out... Go I'm going to say, I really think these should, should have been seeded because I am absolutely useless against uh, in these things. And for me to come up against a man like Ollie is is I'm in for, I'm on for a hide in here. This, this is not a knowledge game, Mike. Don't worry, I wouldn't let you suffer, and oh, I right. wouldn't want anybody to lose. The only people I put against each other is Ollie and his brother. So maybe that's a future quiz we can do. So match of the man. All you're going to do is Mike. You're going to leave the room in a minute. Okay. I'm going to give Ollie five male first names he has to give me the surname of the first Watford player that comes to mind for example if I said Luther surely the surname that comes to mind for him would be Blissett then I will record all those then you'll come back Mike and I'll give you exactly the same five first male names the trick is to win this is can you give me exactly the same five surnames from all the names I give you. This is sounding a lot like Mr. and Mrs. 
which is a bit of a worry, <laughs> frankly, to, that I should be doing this with Mike. Well, it's actually a complete rip-off of uh, Dave, um, who does the breakfast show on Virgin... Oh, no, Virgin Radio, on uh, Absolute Radio. They, they, this is called Five Words, Five Grand. I'm not giving you five grand. Uh, so, uh, Mike, if you would like to leave... The print, I will leave, I will leave. How long shall I give you? Two minutes. Two minutes. All right, all the best. So am I meant to be double-guessing Mike, or is he meant to be double-guessing... Yes, he is. Yes, trying to double-guess you. So, the first name is Andy. Okay. The What comes to mind with Andy, and there's several of them, um, but the one that comes to mind... Uh, I'm going with the that horrible little dance that uh, someone used to do, particularly after a goal away at Barnsley in the 1990s. I'm going Andy Kennedy. Ooh. Okay. Next one is Jack. I'm going Jack Smith. I thought you might after earlier on. Number three is David. Oh. I keep thinking of rogues, don't I? And I'm thinking of... Watford's fourth best striker, David Connolly. Oh, he, he did come to mind for me, but let's see if Mike gets the same. Uh, number four is Steve. Oh, football genius, Steve Butler. Oh, that, 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 oh okay, I don't think we're going to get five matches here because that wasn't my I'm one. I'm going a bit 90s with these, aren't I? I yes. wasn't expecting that. I've surprised myself. And the final one is Robert. Page. I think that's going to be a given. Uh, so let's get Mike back in the room and see if he can match exactly the same surnames as you. You've probably playing along with this at home, uh, so you can play the role of Mike uh, as you're sat in your car, uh, sat at home maybe, or, or on the train, uh, and see if you can get the match Ollie's, or if you match more with Mike. Welcome back, Michael. Um, Thank I, you. I, that I, was the best bit of the podcast. That <laughs> it's been a long time coming. We've had such a good time. <laughs> well, we chortled all night long. Um, I've already given Ollie the five names. It's your turn now. All you have to do is give me the same surnames that Ollie gave me. And if you go out and match all five, hey, I'll make a £10 donation to charity and buy you each a Mars bar. So, the first name, Michael, I just want the first surname that comes to mind is Andy. (sighs) (laughs) Andy, so I'm going to... I think Ollie would think (laughs) that I would think... (laughs) I'm going to go with Hessenthaler. Oh, we don't have a match. Unfortunately, uh, even on the first one, I told you, it's the easiest game to play, the hardest game to win. Um, uh, he went with Andy Kennedy. Uh, but let's see how many we can score in total. Next one was Jack. Well, I mean, it'd be absolutely ludicrous if it wasn't Smith. <laughs> yeah, one match. Woohoo. David. David. Well... I've actually spoken to this chap a few times uh, in uh, in the last couple of weeks at Watford, so I'm going to go with David Connolly. Oh, another yes, match! In. I was going to go with Holdsworth. Straight away, Holdsworth came to mind for me. I don't think too much in these games. So the next one, number four. We've got two matches, one non-match so far. See if we can get, get it a little bit higher. The next one is Steve. 
So I'm going to go with, um, I was actually talking about the modern day professor. We're talking about the, that trip to Fulham and, uh, in the Slavjakanovic promotion season when uh, Alman Abdi scored two and Watford won 5-0 at Fulham. It turns out... Steve Abdi. Con- <laughs> the professor, man, the professor. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it turns out Geordie Connor of this parish owns uh, Alman Abdi's shirt from that. From he did, that yeah, that was amazing, yeah. Um, but not that professor. No, not that professor. Not not that Steve. Uh, thanks for pointing that out, um, uh, John. That it's, uh, Alman Abdi's name wasn't in fact Steve. Um, although that's what I'm going to call him from uh, from now on. In. I really was hoping that Alman was going to be one of these names. <laughs> Speaking of Geordie, one of the things that still makes me laugh the most is Geordie's really good at Photoshop. Yeah. My brother's my brother's really crap at Photoshop. But one day, for no reason. <laughs> He um, he superimposed Alman Abdi's face onto a nut, brought it to me, and showed me. Went there he is. Look, Alman Abdi. Oh and it, my god! It was just the worst bit of photoshopping ever, and for for no reason. But it oh god, I was how oh, it make, it's making me laugh now. Um, anyway, but anyway, Steve, I, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Steve Palmer. Unfortunately, that's not a match. <laughs> it was Steve, Steve Perryman. Butler. Stevie Butler. Stevie Butler. Football genius, I keep saying. So, yeah. two, two wrong, two right. Final one. Can we make it a, uh, a sort of, let's say, a, a, a secondary win? Uh, the next Can one we get is... it over, uh, over 0.5? Like, that's what they go yeah, for that's in what it, baseball, yeah. isn't it? Robert. Right, so he's been in the news of late... He probably did us a favour as England fans by uh, leading our, our Welsh cousins, if you like, to uh, a pretty dismal showing in the World Cup. But I am still proud of him, nonetheless. Uh, Robert Page. And it's a match! Whee! Yes, we matched three men. Uh, Andy, not Kennedy or Hessen uh, Tyler. Smith for Jack. David, both with McConnelly. Steve, unfortunately, Butler and Palmer. Uh, and Robert, both saying Page. Uh, if you did well, if you got matches with either Mike or more matches with Mike or more matches with, with Ollie, do get in touch on social medias at Waffle Podcast. Tell us how you did on your trip up to Huddersfield. From the rookery end. I hope you're uh, almost at Huddersfield. Uh, almost ready for the game. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this second Away Day companion podcast. We'll have another one and a lot more uh, for this season. Do feedback. Do tell us what you think. Anything you'd like to, to, to add to it. The idea is it isn't us about dissecting games. We do that on the weekend podcasts. It's all about Watford and the fun that we can have as football fans. Uh, just supporting the fantastic club that we support. So do tell your friends uh, and do follow us uh, at 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 Watford Podcast on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. We might add some more of that at some point. You never know. We'll be back, of course, Sunday, but definitely for Monday for another podcast for From the Rookery, where we'll look back uh, on the game away at Huddersfield. Uh, and also, we are halfway through the season, so I think it's, it's worth a look back on what's happened so far in this championship season. The good, the bad, and the... Not so good. Thank you very much, and we'll see you soon on another From the Rookery. Come on, you all!